0: Chapter 23 of Early Days of Old Oregon by Catherine Barry Judson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 23 How the Indians Lived. Footnote This chapter is necessarily brief because the various tribes differed considerably in their habits throughout the vast extent of Old Oregon but in the bibliography citations to various works will be found which will enable a teacher or reader to get details on any tribe or section Ah, uh, they are fish eaters their teeth are full of sand their teeth are all ground down they are fish eaters uh. such was the opinion which the horse indians had of the canoe indians of course the canoe indians ate fish why should they live on the water and not do so they lived on puget sound on the columbia willamette puyallup black duwamish and many another river these streams were full of carp halibut salmon whitefish and many other kinds and the shores of puget sound were full of clams at low water the crabs and small oysters of the northwest could be caught but these fish eaters were a lazy set so it was said do you know how they lived along the fringes of the great forests that bordered the many rivers and Puget sound for one thing they lived in winter in houses instead of tepees all about them were tall trees tremendous trees some of the hollowed trunks were as large as an ordinary sized room to build houses the smaller of these trees had to be cut down yet before the white men came the natives had no tools no axes saws or hatchets of any kind these fish-eating indians cut their trees down by burning them they set a fire around the base of the trunk but did not allow it to run up the tree then slowly after days and nights of burning when the fire had eaten through the tree it fell after it was down they cut it into lengths in that same way they usually used cedar trees because the wood was softer and the grain split straight then with great toil and care they split the logs into rough thick boards and with these rough boards they built their houses if you will look at the picture of the indian house you will see that the floor was lower than the earth outside usually it was from two to five feet lower they dug it this way in order to make the cabin drier and warmer in winter so they could not build foundation walls on the little raised platforms around the cabin they laid their beds of mats and skins the fire was in the centre of the house in a place slightly hollowed out and the boards at the end of the house or sometimes boards in the centre of the roof were left open so that the smoke could get out there were no windows and only the one door often in the cabin long strings of fish would hang about drying in the smoky air these huts were not at all clean no white person would really want to sleep in one though white people did when visiting the indians if the weather was bad sometimes three or four families lived in one such cabin sometimes a band of indians would build a very long house two hundred or even five hundred feet long and sixty or seventy feet wide where many families could live especially when they were holding a potlatch or gift festival for such great houses large tree trunks would be used as supports and these would be carved and painted by the indians into strange grotesque shapes cooking in winter was done at the little fire in the centre of the cabin but in summer when the indians roamed about living in tepees of rushes and bark or tule reeds put up just where they happened to be for a few days or weeks they cooked on the ground out of doors they cooked in what do you suppose in baskets and boxes the indians cut very neat square or oblong boxes from the wood around them carving them often and in later years the boxes sometimes had a cover into such a box would be put a fish or other meat to be boiled then cold water after that instead of setting the box on the fire as we set a pan or kettle they put red-hot stones into the box until the water boiled and the fish was cooked many of these tribes could make baskets of spruce roots which were watertight, and they could cook fish or elk meat in such a basket without burning it indian food was just about the same as that which the white people had in early days except that the settlers usually tried to have flour sugar and tea and coffee with perhaps salt pork and these things the indians did not have but there were deer and elk in the forest there were wild pigeons geese and ducks of all kinds on the waters and overhead clams and crabs in the beaches and many kinds of fish in the waters in the earth grew roots also of which the indians were fond such as the wapato the little round red bitter indian potato but the indians had also our irish potatoes because the hudson's bay company had taught them to plant such and the red men had great fields of them they ate the root of certain ferns and the arrowroot, but the most interesting root, and one of which they were very fond, was the camas root. Camas plants liked soft, damp, or wet earth, and in the camas prairies, all through the northwest, spring brought glorious sheets of beautiful blue flowers, blue like the flax, shining among the fresh greenness of the spring. These were the camas blossoms when in the fall and summer the roots were large enough to pull the indians encamped around these Comas prairies indian women waded out into the soft wet swampy lands felt for the roots with their toes caught hold of one and pulled it up with their toes at once it floated upon the surface of the water so they could pick it up with their hands and toss it into the basket on their back while their busy toes were feeling for another root and pulling it up the comas root looked like a round onion but was slightly sweet they were baked in the earth into a hole dug not very deep twigs branches and faggots were piled and burned until there was only a bed of red-hot coals over these damp leaves were placed and then the camas roots were piled in covered over with other damp leaves then with earth and a fire built on top of it all in two or three days the camas roots were cooked and would keep for a long time men and women dressed in blankets made sometimes of elk skins or deer skins or perhaps of a rough woollen cloth which a few tribes wove out of the long hair of woolly dogs roaming about the camps there were no cats or horses or any animals among these canoe indians except dogs Short skirts were made by the women out of the inner bark of the fir tree, beaten into shreds and then made into heavy string-like cords. These were caught together by a belt and used as a short skirt. Many of these tribes wore hats, which were woven rushes or roots, conical in shape and ending in a knob about four inches in diameter, something like a Korean hat. But nearly always these hats were ornamented men and women wore all the necklaces and beads they could and often the necklaces were artistic in a crude way bears claws made good necklaces and proclaimed the bravery of the hunter elk teeth necklaces were highly valued as were strings of Yakwa, the indian money or beads bought from the traders or sometimes the small joints of birds strung in broad bands on deer sinew intermixed with bright beads they also cut clamshells into round disks about as large as one's fingernail, making a tiny hole through the center, and stringing these also on sinew. These shell necklaces were known as wampum, but they were not used as money, as was the wampum of the New England states. Hiaqua was the name of a shell from one to two inches long, curving slightly, hollow, pointed at one end, and entirely hollow it was found chiefly among the queen charlotte's islands but sometimes further south on the coast the long hiaqua was the highest value the shorter was less it was strung on sinew into lengths about as long as one's forearm that is two feet or less as it varied slightly everything was priced as being worth so many strings of hiaqua just as we say a thing is worth so many dollars nearly all the canoe indians believed that a nice round head on a baby was a great disgrace no one but slaves had round heads so they said and they tried to make their poor little black-eyed red-skinned babies beautiful by giving them a pointed head when a new baby came they tied it into a baby board as all indian mothers do a baby board was a wooden board firmly wadded with soft moss from the trees but then these canoe indians fastened a flat piece of board down upon the indian's forehead so as to make a sharp straight line from the nose to the crown of the head white people thought this was dreadful and after many settlers came in the indians gave it up when an indian mother was busy with her weaving or making baskets or doing other work in which she could sit still she tied the baby board to the branch of a nearby tree and then fastened a piece of sinew so that one end of it was around her big toe and the other on the baby board thus she could rock the baby gently by moving her foot up and down and not using her hands she carried her baby on her back of course as all indian mothers do only white mothers take their babies in their arms but indian mothers loved their babies and in the long twilights of that northern country where the sun sets so late and darkness comes so slowly indian mothers in their huts or teepees would sing to their babies softly and many a little white child has been sung to sleep in early pioneer days by the crooning song of an indian mother not far away singing to her own baby when their friends and relatives were killed in battle or died indians did not bury them in the ground as we do some tribes wrapped the body in skins and placed it in a canoe set among the tree branches perhaps if the person was rich or important another canoe was placed upside down over the first one other tribes along the columbia had burial grounds they built tiny sheds in which the canoe or perhaps a carved box was placed at the head of such graves were the treasures of the person who had died but all carefully broken so no one would steal them or else put in the canoe and the wrapping skins but the most wonderful things about these canoe Indians were their canoes. Every canoe was a dugout, as it was called, that is, a canoe dug out of the trunk of a big tree. Before the traders came with axes and hatchets and other metal tools, making a canoe was hard, slow work, and yet they made perfect canoes. A great tree was selected, one with straight grain, and cut down by letting fire eat its way through then the top was cut off in the same way from this log they were to dig out their canoe slow fires were built on each side so as to eat down the big trunk a full log would be round and would not pass through the water easily the log had to be shaped into a v so the boat would have a keel as the fires ate slowly into the log skillful workers watching carefully chipped away the charred wood so as to get exactly the right shape it took weeks to make such a canoe and it was hard tedious work each tribe had men who were expert canoe makers when the canoe was finished it was shapely well balanced black as ink outside and inside it was rubbed on the outside with reeds and grasses until it was as smooth as glass and without a splinter such canoes slipped through the water with great speed then came the ornamentation small shells painted red were used to decorate the inside and perhaps a row would be around the outside also a headpiece shaped like the head of a bird and painted perhaps a bright green was fastened into the dugout by deer sinews then a similar piece shaped like a bird's tail was fastened on the other end and also painted sometimes other queer figures were painted on with such canoes the indians would face any rough water fearing nothing and in calm weather they liked to sing keeping time to their music with the dip of their paddles such were usually the war canoes which would hold thirty or forty men or be used by a great chief paddled by his slaves when he went to visit another red chief or perhaps some trader the northern indians especially those around the queen charlotte's islands were headhunters and cannibals they had beautiful war canoes holding often seventy men or more and moving through the water with the speed of an express train the puget sound indians were much afraid of these fierce northern indians and would flee into the woods whenever they caught sight across the water of the war canoes the canoe indians were not great warriors they really did like to paddle about lazily in their canoes crouched on their short deformed legs because they squatted so much in these canoes their legs became crooked they liked to paddle about in the sunshine or fish or camp on the beach and dig for clams it was better for the white settlers that they were not warriors else more blood would have been shed in the settlement of the oregon country besides these war canoes there were two other kinds one a small light canoe for fishing holding only two or three persons the other the family canoe fairly large and wide so that boxes and clothing and household goods besides persons could be paddled about when the indians wished to move a potlatch was a feast given by some indian at which he gave away everything he possessed in the world to the friends whom he invited an indian would send out a notice of a potlatch inviting all his tribe and when they came they spent days in eating elk and deer and wapato and kamas until they had eaten everything he could supply then he gave away his beads his blankets his cabin if he had one all the cooking boxes and his dogs indeed everything he had his friends accepted it all but after that this man had a right to make his home with any one of them or with many of them in turn until he had gained other necklaces and blankets because he had given potlatch no one would refuse him anything he asked for provided that person had been invited to the feast people say now that it was a curious indian form of insurance the horse indians were of an entirely different type they were bold daring indians often very handsome straight and tall and dignified living east of the cascade mountains possessing great herds of horses of which they were very proud a man's wealth was reckoned by the number of horses he owned and these were nearly always the pinto or painted ponies the calico ponies these horse indians lived in tepees made in winter out of elk skin and in summer as they moved about out of skins or perhaps of tule reeds they used many mats many of the tribes such as the nesperseys the walla wallas the cayuses an indian pony is called a cayuse because this tribe owned so many and other tribes of eastern washington were a very noble type they were hunting indians hunting all through the cascade mountains and through the snake river valley even over the rocky mountains out onto the plains where the buffalo roamed in great herds they were glad enough too despite their contempt for canoe indians to trade with the coast tribes for dried fish or to put weirs and nets in the river to catch the salmon as they came up these indians had about the same food as the canoe indians but more meat and less fish yet they too ate the kamas root and the roots of ferns they were fond of fighting and were always at war with some other tribe coming home from an expedition beaten or perhaps tossing scalps high on their coup sticks when an indian killed an enemy in battle the first man to touch him with the long stick which each carried had the best right to the scalp because he had first struck the enemy coup is the french word for blow the horse indians buried their dead after wrapping them in skins on high platforms standing alone on a plain or perhaps set in the crotch of a tree there were few trees in the lands of the horse indians for in general they lived in the brown rolling treeless country east of the cascade mountains each tribe had different customs and habits and each lived its own life in its own way until the white man came then all the old ways began to vanish after several wars against the whites, the Indians went on reservations. They learned to use horses and wagons, to farm, and many of them today are good farmers. But the old days and the old ways are gone. End of chapter twenty three.